Dave, this is uh, one of our bigger ones. Let's yes. be honest. This uh, is an A-lister. Right. Uh, this man that we're having on today has sold 30 million copies of his books. How many have you sold? A little less than that. <laughs> and just slightly So between less. the two of you, yeah. you've sold over, over 30, 30 million, million copies. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. We talked to perhaps one of the most prolific writers, well, in history. Yeah. Probably. Certainly one of the more famous uh, writers And he in specializes in legal. You know, the legal thriller. Yep. Um, we talked about his movies. We talked about his books. We talked about his unhealthy obsession with the Chicago Cubs. Yeah. Oh yeah. Rock um, and roll. All of, hey, uh, it's all coming up. And, his, and of course, we're talking about Scott Turow. Right. Uh, so a, a full 30-minute uh, uh, chat with uh, the father of the legal thriller, Scott Turow, is up next. But first, listen to this other fine Opie show. This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. I was at the temple on Monday. I was walking into the temple, and I held the door open for a pretty attractive older woman. I'd say she was like in her early 70s, maybe. And she goes, well, thank you. Are you here for the seniors event? Oh, ouch. Oh, let the record show she was kind of hot in a 70-year-old kind of way. So I'm like, are you listening to what you're saying right now? (laughs) Minutia Men with Rick and Dave, the Tony Lasano podcast, and Opi production on the radio. Misfits Podcast Network. What would that be? A GMIF? Uh, oh, my a grandma? God. oh my um, God. Stop. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast. An Opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Minutia Man Celebrity Interview with Rick and Dave. Uh, Dave, this week's guest is a uh, prolific, best-selling author, 14 best-selling works of fiction, including Presumed Innocent, Burden of Proof, one of my favorites, uh, The Last Trial, and he has a brand new one out called Suspect. It, is, it, is it officially out yet? It's out on the 20th of September. Yep. The 20th so. of September. Okay, so please welcome to the show the father of the legal thriller, which I'm I, I'm allowed to say. I saw John Grisham say that you are the <laughs> are the father of the legal thriller. Welcome to the show, Scott Tarot. How are you? Thank, thank you very much. Nice to be with both of you. Do you consider yourself the father of the legal thriller? Well, um, in 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 sort of the contemporary meaning of it. Yeah. But you know, there you could call "Kill to Kill a Mockingbird" a legal thriller, which That's we're going to talk about in a few seconds. <laughs> and uh, you know, not to mention one of the huge bestsellers of my childhood, "Anatomy of a Murder." Right. So, good point. Yeah, there so, have been legal thrillers. Uh, you know, the uh, Twelve Angry Men. Uh, right. It's uh, another one. Forever, but it it became like a genre, really in. Nineties or in the eighties, when when you and and Grisham and Lisa Scottellini and people like that uh, started taking it to another level, would you yeah, at least agree with that? I I agree with that, um, and I think the big change um, was that uh, the much greater emphasis on the nuts and bolts of a lawyer's life. Um, those details were sort of um, apologetically included in earlier books in order to sort of, you know, propel the mystery. But, um, you know, it's uh, the, the, the books that I wrote, because that's what I was absorbed with, are 
much more steeped in the you know the realities of being a lawyer right but, yeah well un- unlike grisham and scandalini you're, you're actually you were you kept your fingers in the legal profession while you're right are you still a lawyer or are you, are you still i i i am still a licensed lawyer in the state of illinois um and i retired from the former sun and shine firm I can now go back to calling it uh, in uh, August of 2020, but I have two pro bono cases that are keeping me occupied. So now, did you do that? Did you stay a lawyer uh, to stay up to date for your writing, or is it just something that you love doing, or is it just who you are? You just you are a lawyer. Um, I, I did it because I really liked. Uh, the law, no lawyer will tell you that at every moment she or he likes being a lawyer. Um, but you know, I, I also enjoyed a lot of the, a lot of practice, everything from, you know, my involvement with my colleagues and the collaboration, which is not something you do very much, uh, as an author. Um, and you know, just the issues, um, legal issues are, have always been fascinating to me. And, uh, and I, and my attitude was, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, I was lucky throughout my career to have had just, um, a wonderful roll of the dice in terms of the cases that, that came my way. And, uh, you know, and that was another reason to continue because I was doing stuff that I found so, you know, inherently interesting. Uh, and, uh, you know, so I, I didn't have any, I, I remember saying to myself, well, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll quit. I'll, I'll think about quitting when I'm 50 and then it was 55 and, you know, it kept, it kept marching ahead till I got to 70 when the law firm became much more serious about my retiring. Oh. Um, <laughs> You're saying it was hey, kind Scott, of, a, uh, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, you know, they got, they, they got these rules and, um, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I certainly d- didn't have a compelling case to be made an exception. So, well, uh, thanks for allowing us a sneak peek at suspect. Uh, I read, just enough to get me excited uh, to devour the whole thing, which I'm going to do. And I'm sure your uh, fellow fans will uh, feel the same way. Um, and there's, there are things about there that are familiar. For instance, it takes place in Kindle County, which is your, your fictional county. Right. Um, uh, so that's like a, uh, like a familiar, uh, like putting on a warm, uh, warm It's like socks. Rhoda and Mary Tyler Moore. You know, <laughs> they, you know where they live. It's it just, yeah. it's, it, it's comforting. And then the granddaughter of Sandy Stern, who is uh, right. the, the famous attorney that goes all the way back to presumed innocent, is right. the main character uh, for this uh, story. Tell us a little bit about her, about Pinky, and why you thought she was the right one for the subject matter. You're talking about subject matters. This uh, yeah. uh, this book tackles a pretty important subject matter too. Yeah. Uh, well, Pinky, um, you know, in some ways is a un- look an unusual looking person, um, you know, it, particularly because she wears this goth jewelry that makes it look like she's got a common nail through her nose. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, she's inked from 
as she describes herself from neck to ankle and uh you know the usual colorful haircut but the outward manifestations um are uh, you know in her case the work of a a real sense that she's a misfit right and uh, you know that's common to people in adolescence but this young woman has now reached her 30s uh, and is beginning um, to accept the fact that she's just not going to be like everybody else and to some extent she's wired a little differently she can be absolutely obtuse to social signals almost to the point that you would think she's somewhere on the spectrum uh, and at other times the fact that she's that much of an outsider uh, allows her to see through things much faster than everybody else who kind of get caught up in the uh, in the trees and don't see the forest so um, you know it, it at heart sounds like a fun character to write oh she was yeah she's a lot of fun to write and um you know she doesn't she's not detained by matters of legality as an investigator so that um she's um you know she's always breaking the rules for what she thinks are good reasons um and you know instead of the following the rules her motto is you know don't get caught uh, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and and certainly never tell your boss what you're doing um, so uh, you know she's she's as I said she's a little bit of an unusual person she's um, you know attracted to both men and women uh, and uh, can't really imagine living with anybody else you know except her grandfather uh, and that's now over because uh, he's moved into assisted living, um, and she's still she's still driving around um, in her you know punk slash goth um, type look and in his old Cadillac, uh, which <laughs> of course <laughs> is yet yet another incongruous. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Um, so, um, but shoosh she's a lot of fun she's she's i think very funny very often um you know a little bit thin-skinned um quick to get wounded um and uh you know just all in all um making her way in the world um and uh accepting her limitations and figuring out what she's good at you know this this sounds like a just a wonderful topic for a Netflix series, you know, or... Uh, yeah, yeah, well... Yeah. Uh, we have no connections, by the way. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah but, but I do have to tell you that you're, you know, you've, you've, you're ahead of yourselves in the sense David Kelly has optioned this. Oh, he has so, already. Okay. Yeah. So uh, it is, the, the deal is made, and uh, we'll see what David does with it. I'm, of course happy to have this in his hands he's uh, in my view certainly in terms of quality and oh, success the best, the, the, the best yeah, right fantastic. 
Well, yeah. he's yeah, he's a he's a great television writer too. He so, sure uh, is. Um, he sure and, is. You know, that's one thing I wanted to ask you about because uh, I'm I'm a writer too and a fellow author, but uh, the none of my books have been made into into films or a TV series and. Um, I was watching Presumed Innocent uh, recently, mm-hmm. and I and I've read the book uh, many times. Mm-hmm. And every time I see that movie, I think to myself, the ending is different. <laughs> you know, I mean, how does how did that? How do you feel about that? I mean, they, I know you've got to hand over your uh, your book when it gets signed by a Hollywood yeah. uh, producer, yeah. but do you you have no uh, impact on that or? How do you feel about it? Um, well, uh, you know, Presumed Innocent was my first trip to the baths right. um, in Hollywood. And uh, but, you know, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't really matter. Um, I once sold a novel, Personal Injuries, to Dustin Hoffman. And he was like, you know, I love this book. I don't want to change a thing about this book. And then he called me about three weeks later and he said, how would you feel if we changed the ending? Yeah. So, what if they're all zombies? <laughs> Wizards and zombies is what we're looking right. at. Right. I don't see right. any car chases. Right, yeah. right. So, right. I, I mean. Um, but it doesn't bother you. It sounds like you, you know, once you sign it off, you, you, you uh, somehow manage to intellectually know that it's not your baby anymore well I, I will give i'll give you another for instance um my friend john avnet um and i just i got to know john because he he bought a couple of uh, my books and you know he was he said great directorial successes like you know fried green tomatoes and right. also very successful producer everything from risky risky business to the mighty ducks but um so John bought one of my novels in manuscript, as David has just done with Suspect. And uh, he starts calling me up and giving me suggestions oh. about <laughs> what I ought to change in the book. Yeah. And, you know, and that's Avnet all over. John will say that about himself. He's never got an opinion that he keeps to himself. <laughs> and, um, you know, and I, I resented it, of yeah, course. Yeah, I, I bet. And I suddenly realized, oh, that's how these guys feel when I call them up and tell them what they ought to do with their movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, a, a movie is a very separate um, artistic enterprise. And, you know, it's going to work from the outside, not the inside, because, you know, all you got is the camera right. uh, and the voices. Um and you know it's got to be visual um so and and so it's any novel is going to get transformed because of the differences in the in the two media uh and you know there were in the days of movies um you know time limitations these days the streaming series suits novels much much better right um because you know you have time for the character development that the that the novelist has attempted uh so you know i'm i'm and and i i do and i've been lucky enough to always see them as two separate things it i'm not naive enough to say that 
um, the movie will have no impact on the way my novel is perceived because, you know, with any luck, many, many more people will see, you know, the streaming series of suspect than are likely than are likely to read it. Um, so I, you know, I, I often said that, you know, it's, it's hard for me even, at least it was hard for me to see Rusty Savage with anything other than Harrison Ford's right. face. Yeah. So, but that, that of course is going to change because, uh, you know, Apple TV plus is remaking this, uh, as an, an eight part series. So there, there will, there will be another face. Oh. Um, do you and know who I, it is yet? I, I, I know, but for whatever reason, uh, and I think it may be because uh, Apple wants to get the rest of the casting done, okay. which, they, which they are working on right now. Um, I, I, I am not at liberty to say. Well, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> it's just us. It's just us. We're just in a so, row here. Um, <laughs> but anyway, you know, it's an, a, it's an A-list Hollywood actor who I'm very pleased uh, is going to be doing this, and uh, and I'm, I'm sort of waiting for the announcement every day. But uh, you know, the author standing where he stands in the Hollywood pecking order, right? Which is I'll, very I'll, low, very low. <laughs> I'll know just as soon as I read about it after you guys have called yeah. me up and told me. Yeah. Exactly. Talk to us about your rock and roll band. Are you still in, oh, are you still yeah. doing gigs with uh, with uh, yeah, Stephen King yeah. and Dave Barry? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the rock the rock bottom remainders played again uh, in Nantucket in um, in June. Steve yeah. King was uh, in our was with us in Minneapolis when we played um, right before the pandemic, but uh, at, at Dave Barry. Uh, who's always there refers to Steve as an emeritus member of the band. Uh, but uh, anyway, yeah. So it's Dave. What and, do you play? Um, what's what's your instrument? Oh, I I am. I, um, somebody asked that when we were in, in Nantucket, um, and Ridley Pearson, you know, another really fine writer, yeah. uh, was listening in on the question. Somebody said, "What what what does Scott play?" And Ridley finally looked up and said what I should have said eons ago. He said, Scott plays the fool. So <laughs> This is the danger of interviewing rock star slash authors. <laughs> so that, I, I really do play the fool. Yeah. I am, um, you know, I am up there to prove that the rest of them don't take themselves Too very serious. seriously <laughs> because if they did, they wouldn't let me on stage. <laughs> Uh, but I, you know, ostensibly sing, and as you know, as I like to say, I can hit seven notes out of every octave. And uh, <laughs> well, that's not bad, but it's fun, so, right? I mean, you do it because oh, it's fun. It's a ball? Are you kidding? Yeah. It's great. Uh, Adrian, my wife, um, just she has a ball. She loves everybody in the band. The, you know, the 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 band members and their partners and. Um, we just have a lot of fun with it. There's no, there's just no way around it. And, um, you know, and, uh, you know, Dave and Michelle are, are dear friends, Greg Isles and his wife, Carolyn, and, you know, Ridley and Marcel, I can, you know, Alan's Weibel is, um, you know, comedy writer, yeah. um, uh, is now a band member and he and Robin are, you know, really precious to us. So it's, it's become, 
uh, it's become very family-like. Um, and so these, you know, reunions are, um, you know, are just terrific. Do you have and, any shows? Uh, Do you have any scheduled shows coming up? No, there's there's uh, nothing on the books, and um, I, I've heard this more than once. But there was some, I think, um, fitful talk that 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 was the last time. No. So oh, yeah. um, I hope you not. know, Amy yeah. Amy Tan has officially resigned from the band. Okay, uh, she thinks she thinks she's too old to be strutting around stage and you know tights and leather. And yeah, tell uh, that to Mick Jagger. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> And, you know, I thought she looked like a million bucks, but, um, you know, nobody can wield a whip like Amy. But uh, it's so, you know, that's that stuff is is starting. And uh, there are people like Frank McCourt who died out of the band and, yeah. uh, you know, went to heaven. So, um, you know, well, we'll, let's, we'll, let's, ju we'll just see. Let's talk about another thing you do for fun, and that is. Um, and probably in pain also is you follow the Chicago Cubs. Yes. Um, and you, yes. I don't know if you know this, but Dave and I were publishers and you appeared in one of our books called Cub Sessions uh -huh. uh, with Becky uh, Maxwell and Randy Richardson. Right. And Randy, you, uh, right. I remember, with, you know, dealing with Randy on this book. So, yeah. So I, I didn't realize this about you. I didn't know that you're a third generation Cub fan. I am. And uh, I have written a book called Every Cub Ever, which is about literally every single cub that ever played. <laughs> yeah, uh, Scott, so, ask Rick how so. long it took him and what, what better use of his time could have been those 10 years. When I handed it to Dave, he said to me, have you ever kissed a girl? Yeah. <laughs> but I think I that's have, you. Yeah, I have to say that... Um, how do you update this every year? I uh, update it at the end of every season. Because yeah. uh, you know, um, the last year's Cubs, what they had. Oh, don't more even get players, me started. Don't get me started, more players Scott. On I, their roster yeah. than they, any Rick, team in the major yeah, leagues yeah. In, in history yeah. in one yeah. year. Yeah, and yeah. I think they're trying to go for the record this year. So yeah, well. <laughs> Yeah, every time I every time a cub gets injured and there's a new call up, it's like, oh, come on here. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, so what did that one moment, uh, November third, twenty sixteen? Yeah. What did that one moment I, mean? I'm a Sox to you? fan. I'm going to put the mic down because I don't want to. Okay. I just, yeah. you know, I want to talk to a fellow cub fan about this because uh, I know that it meant something to you. Oh, it was. You know, I literally went out the back door um, here in Evanston and I, you know, just screamed at the top of my lungs. It finally happened. Um, and uh, it, it was otherworldly. Yeah. And then of course you say to yourself, it's just a game. Why am I so excited about this? Uh -huh. yeah. um, you know, and I, you know, I share a bond with my father with whom I didn't share a lot besides the Cubs and, right. and, and with my inner six-year-old um, who truly believed that Ernie Banks was the most important person in the world. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I can't, I can't, I'm so angry at, um, you know, Cubs management for, you know, what they've done and are doing. I couldn't with agree that, more. With that team. And yet I still can't keep myself from watching. <laughs> I, I so... Uh, you know, and I root for in individual players, and you know, I'm happy that Ian Happ is 
having a you know good season because you know by reputation he's a really nice man and you know Christopher Morrell you know you just want him uh, you just want him to do well because he just know, looks like he's having so much fun he has so much fun and you know you just wonder is this guy going to be the second coming of Javi Baez yeah um, and uh, you know and then you know Contreras is just such a gamer and um so there are individual players to to root for um but um you you know i i just i really got off the boat last year when when ricketts unloaded darvish and um and i you know i thought that he owed the core group um one more shot yeah i knew it was going to be their last season together but they, they, he owed them one more shot, and once he jettisoned Darvish, um, that was that. Uh, and so he, you know, he rang down the curtain without even giving those guys a chance. And uh, you know, I thought that stunk. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, and it's it's preposterous for him to claim, uh, as he does, that you know he's cash poor. Uh, right. I, exactly. Yeah, I, you know, I'm sure in a balance sheet sense that's yeah. true, but yeah. Then he tried um, to buy Chelsea, the uh, yeah, the, the right. soccer club, and so. his dad it, owns. What? Yeah, America. He owns America. Yeah. yeah. So it's very, it's it's really a very very um, frustrating um, situation right now to be a to be a Cubs fan, and um, you know, I was with yesterday. Uh, a, a friend of 30 years who's um, like many of my old friends given up his tickets. And I said, you know, what do you think? He said, I think they're going to be bad for years to come. Yeah. And, um, and that's just such a rotten thing to do uh, to the Cub fans. And you look at, um, you look at the team they're playing right now, St. Louis, uh, where there is an organization that manages to put a competitive team on the field year after yeah. year after year. Yeah. And if that weren't enough, um, you know, the Cubs could the Cubs could have made deals for players like Arenado and Goldschmidt. Yep. Um and and then you look up you look north, um, you know, ninety minutes and there and, and there are the Brewers. Yeah, and they're doing uh, well too. Who managed to do it, you know, with a payroll that's probably a quarter. Of what the of what the Cubs have, it's just. Um, well, you're getting me fired up now, Scott. Get yeah, me it's, fired. Just, it's, it's 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 really irritating. Well, yeah, as a White Sox, uh, as an ambassador for the White Sox, you guys are welcome to the South Side. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I watch. I, I watch the Sox. I still have hopes for them yeah. uh, this year. I mean, I know they have way underperformed, and uh, but you know, I'm. I, I am still hopeful for them because there's just so much talent on that team. Um, but I, I will say that if, if this team can't get it together, it may be because they've all noticed that Tony LaRusso is asleep right, in the he's dugout. Sleeping. Right, right. Or, or he's dr- drunk driving, one of the two. Right. right. All right, we have, we have two serious questions to get to before sure. before we say goodbye to you. But uh, uh, I just watched, God, it was just a week ago or something, and we talked about it a little bit, To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, mm-hmm. I've always considered it one of the 
greatest novels of all time. I just absolutely yeah. love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But what do you think about schools banning that book? And it's actually happening in <laughs> places now in America. You know, what the hell's going on, right? Um, well, you know, I'm now a Florida resident. Ooh. And I live in Naples, Florida, where the people who I did not want to win um, the school board elections all won last night. And, um, you know, book banning has so little place uh, in education uh, in, in any uh, civilized country. Um, that that it's you know hard to talk about without becoming um, you know blue in the face and um, you know my day and age kids of course managed to read Lady Chatterley's Lover and right. I don't I don't know what the hell they understood besides the dirty scenes but um, and you even know, that they didn't understand <laughs> yeah but but it was going to happen anyway yeah and. Um, I don't even know what's objectionable in To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, you know, I, I, to my memory, the N-word appears there a few times. And, right. um, you know, and I, I'm not being African-American. Um, I, I still think that, you know, an, an accurate reflection of history is, um, it, it is a merit, meritorious goal. Um, I think that's the objection is that it makes uh, it makes white people feel uncomfortable about the, the fact that they were not so nice. Uh, yeah. You know. Well, I, I um, which is a terrible reason to not read it. Oh, a uh, I, I would like to point out that at the time the book was published, uh, there were not a lot of voices ringing out saying uh, this isn't what the South is like. Right. Uh and, um, you know, and of course, there are a lot of very honorable uh, white people in that novel, starting with Scout herself and her father, Atticus. Yeah. So um, it's just it's that's bullshit. Yep. And the fact that um, that that white people are uncomfortable with what was done in the in this country and it's still done frankly yeah uh, to people of color uh you know that's that's crap yeah. uh and the idea that um and, and by the way um kids who go to school with each other eventually are going to realize um what's happening to their darker skinned friends yeah. um and you know, they'll know when they walk into a store with them that all eyes are on the dark-skinned friend and not on them. Um, they'll know it. So you're not going to protect them from anything. And um, it, it, it's just nonsense. It's just, it's utter nonsense. Uh, and it's, uh, it's sad. It's, it's, and, and frankly, if, if, those people want to lead their benighted existence, um, then go ahead. Um, they're just reinforcing all the stereotypes that they think we hold about them. Right. 
Uh, all right, so here, let me throw another one out there for you. And this is, you know, as, as someone. Well, we went who, from we yeah. went from Cubs to. Uh, <laughs> Don't forget rock and roll. <laughs> yeah. Um, as somebody who studies the law, writes about the law, thinks mm-hmm. about the law, mm-hmm. um, what do you think about the current state of the rule of law? in this country Mm -hmm. is it in danger like some people say it is or are you less concerned well so i'll tell you what my attitude always was um i I went into private practice and although i never really thought uh, my destiny was to represent corporate titans um you know i soon found myself doing that and I had a case representing one of America's largest insurance companies, and I sat down with the CEO uh, to tell him that um, they had done something wrong. And he responded to me by saying, if we've done wrong by our policyholders, then we have to make it right. And the light bulb went on at that moment that the people in power in this country uh, were willing to stand by the legal structure because in a you know in a institutional sense mm-hmm. uh, they had made these rules uh, and whether it was because they'd learned to play by the rules or because they fashioned the rules in their own favor um, that you know the rules benefited them uh, and that always was what the, kind of the way I understood things as they evolved in the law What's new today is that we've never had the law challenged from the top. We have a lot of uh, ordinary citizens who think, you know, lawyers are scoundrels and the law is bullshit. Right. Uh, but, you know, to have the most powerful person in the country um, treating uh, the law with contempt um, is, is shocking. And um, to the extent that he is leading other people to have equally contemptuous views of the law and the democratic institutions um, that support it, um, yes, it is a crisis. It is, it is a crisis. The, the country has always been full of young people um, who, you know, who think, you know, the law is an ass. Right. The and, man. You know, it's the man. And they're bringing right, us down. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and, and I got news for you. That's not going to stop. Right. Um, because it's, you know, it's the nature of being young and having less power. Um, but the idea that the most powerful treat the law with contempt. Right. Um, there is there there is only one rule left in that situation. And that is that the most powerful win and win simply because they deem that they win. Um, and that is very, very, very threatening. I have never been, uh, somebody in the, you know, the words of the, uh, the uh, Sinclair novel, you know, that it can't happen here. Um, I never believed that. I think democracy is fragile. Uh, and I think it requires, uh, the commitment of a vast majority of the citizens in order to function. Uh, and so, it, yes, I am frightened. Uh, and, uh, you know, I 
I, I want to believe that it's going to turn out okay, uh, but it's not a it's not a good moment for the law or democracy right now. All right, well, you really brought us down. Yeah, man. thanks for bringing yeah, down the house. Brought the room down. Really appreciate that. We were all, we were we all, all chirpy and everything fun. Everything happy. <laughs> Dave and I were going to go frolic yep, outside. Exactly. And, right. and then and then when Scott brings us right, right yep. down. Right all the, I'm going to write a really oh. dark poem right now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Scott, thank you very much for coming on the show. Hey, we, we want to send you every cup ever so well, you yeah, could... Cause so oh, you good. could so you can witness Rick's ridiculous <laughs> obsession. Yeah. Uh, well, um, hey, just tell us your address now. No, off the air. We'll we'll, we'll, get, we'll get it. We'll, we'll get, get it to you. Okay. But but thank you very much, and we wish you the best for a suspect. Where, where can people get it when it comes out? Just everywhere, right? Yeah, I hope everywhere. Yeah. Um, you know, so. Um, and it's September twentieth. Is that what you said? September two zero. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. All right. Well, thanks. I appreciate hey, this your time. Been great. Thanks, we really, guys. We really I, appreciate I, it. Thanks. I appreciate the time. Thank right. you both very much. Thanks. All right. Have a Take good care. One. Be Bye-bye. 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 I, th- I think that was a real laugh. <laughs> we totally cracked up Scott Darrow. <laughs> I, think that was, I think that was a real laugh. That's very great. nice yeah. guy. Very uh, very successful guy and um, very thoughtful. Yes. So. Yes. Uh, you know, it, it was like uh, talking to... Well... I always like talking to people that are smarter than me, mm-hmm. and and luckily for me, that's oh my god, that's, that's a it. that opens a huge. Right. Do you want fries <laughs> with that? Yes, I do. <laughs> Smarty pads. Special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasana with OpieShows.com. Opie is hippo backwards. O p p i h shows.com. We're distributed by Ed Silla with Radio Misfits. Great talk radio isn't dead; it just moved to a better place. RadioMisfits.com. And and by the way. Uh, his first thought about hearing every cub ever is how much of a pain in the butt it would be to update, update it, it every right. year. And it is. And he's 100% <laughs> correct about that. <laughs> but anyway, we'll be back again soon with another episode of Manusha Men's Celebrity Interview. The proceeding was a presentation of Opi Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? All right, Adam, what uh, country are you from? I am from England. What is the best soccer league in the entire world? The English Premier League. What is your day job? Director of coaching for Illinois Youth Soccer. So if you were, say, a fan of English Premier League and you wanted to hear the, the opinions of someone who is from England, who knows a lot of soccer... What podcast would you tell people they need to listen to? Free Kicks with Adam and Rick. And that's on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Free Kicks, a Tony Lasano podcast, an Opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. RadioMisfits.com. Radio Misfits.com.